Well, hey, Ellen, how are you? Well, hello, Annette. I am fine. Um, awesome. I'm very much looking forward to being here and talking to you. Great. And I am so excited to bring you on board because you uh, are a perfect match for, personally speaking, my spiritual journey. Um, but I definitely want to share some of your uh, great insights and wisdom with my audience. So um, we met just, I guess, through a friend uh, who had been listening to my podcast, suggested that I reach out to you and uh, create a podcast with you. And when I first, when we were on our pre-call, I was, uh, wow, I cannot wait to have you on this show because it's very different than the previous podcasts I've done where I'm usually recording uh, with a woman who is, uh, you know, starting her life over, figuring out her what's next. And you, on the other hand, uh, are a woman who, well, I'm going to let you give the better explanation, but you uh, have some British shaman uh, background and uh, just bringing this sort of wisdom and intuition to women who are running their businesses. are It's, it's amazing. So um, I'm going to hand the floor over to you. Give yourself a small little introduction and then we're going to get uh, into the areas that we're going to cover today. Well, hello, everybody. I am just so pleased to be here. And who am I? My name is Ellen Sentier, and um, I'm a sort of a woman of a certain age, which is nice. And I was born in a place called Dartmoor. Um, yes, a place called Dartmoor in southwest Britain, uh, which is the bit that looks like a toe. When you look at the map, it's the bit that sticks <laughs> off at the end and the end of the boot. So it's down there. And because I know not everybody's from here. And I grew up. I grew up there for a while, and I grew up later on the other moor of that part, which is called Exmoor. And my parents have been practicing the old magic ways of Britain all their lives, and their parents before them, before them, before them, before them. We do have an indigenous culture here, um, but we've had to keep our heads down for at least 2,000 years, so we're really good at blending in. So you don't necessarily know we're here, but I'm absolutely full of magic. And I will say one more thing. I'm an absolute badass. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you are, um, let me just sort of paraphrase what you just said there. Your, your mother's mother was a witch from the yeah. Isle of Man and your father was a cipher reed. How do I say that? Kivarowis. Um, sorry, this is this is the old British language, not the BBC language you're used to. Um, it's Kivarowis, and it means storyteller. And okay. he was also what we call a cunning man, which is a wise man, a wise as a wise woman, um, in the old magic ways. And his parents before him, la la la, going back as far as you want to go, really. <laughs> I know. It, it's amazing. So you talk a lot about um, how they uh, sort of taught you the old British ways. And mm -hmm. when we were on our pre-call, I just, I imagined you as this little girl, you know, running through the meadows, learning all these different ways of, you know, your, your ancestors. And I just thought, wow, what, so amazing. Um, so tell us a little bit about the, the old British ways. What, what exactly does that mean? And, and being a witch or a storyteller or even a, a, a shaman, um, just so that we can give a little bit of a background to, the, to my listeners first. Well, a witch is a derivation of a wise woman or a wise person because it's not really gender specific or wasn't originally. A shaman um, translates as one who knows. It's a Siberian Tungus word and it means one who knows which is the same sort of thing, a wise person. And, oh, what was the other thing you asked me? My brain's gone. <laughs> no, that's good. No, like, what does it mean to, you know, really what, what are the old British ways? Yeah. Well, we are part of everything and we know this. In we're, we're, We feel it. We're not separated by the family ways and the family traditions and the way we're brought up and the way we eat, the way we play. 
we're not separated from nature. Uh, it's, you know, you go out and, well, be careful of that worm. Don't go treading on him. And, um, well, that spider's actually catching some of the flies for us. And at the moment, we're okay. But if we're going to hoover around there, then we're going to say, spider, I'm sorry, I need to clean up a bit. Can you just move on? And, you know, it's going to sound seriously woo-woo to everybody because you relate completely to everything. It's not just a human being that you speak to. I mean, many people, and they may not always talk about it, many people, they have their animals that live with them and they will talk to them. But um, a friend of mine did a little podcast on it a while ago. She, Do you mean we talk to cows? And she was bringing out the same sort of thing. Why not? Why not indeed? We talk to trees. We're getting fairly good at hugging trees now. So we understand mm -hmm. that they are sentient beings. Did you know trees have families? Did you know trees can count? No, I did not. Well, even science has now proved this. So this is not just um, on the woo-woo thing. And they help and support each other. Animals work in families. Um, one of the best family animals is a wolf, which we don't have anymore in our country, unfortunately. Um, please, can you send oh. some over? We'd like some. And um, we learn from to be a, a wise woman, a wise person, a witch, a shaman, is means you learn from nature around you. I did a little story this morning uh, on uh, Little Live. I was looking out the bedroom window, and this is, the sun was just right, and the mist was just rising up from the ground, you know, so you've got this almost like almost fairyland look. And beautiful oak tree, not far from my window, and she's turning all gold and brown and russet and a little bit of red in there. And there's a little bit of green left too. So she's beautiful colours. And I was looking at her and I thought, oh, wow, you are so gorgeous. And I got this sort of feeling, message, I don't know, back, sort of like, yeah, yeah I'm just putting my leaves down. I've done them. I've used my leaves all summer photosynthesis, making my food, making oxygen for you guys, you know, bringing all the food up and down and the water up and down through my roots. And that my leaves help, my leaves help do that as well. I don't need them anymore now. It's winter. Now my leaf bits can go to sleep and I can go down into my roots and actually grow down there. Now, science will say this is what happens as well. And I was feeling all this from the tree. And she said, look at you. So I said, okay. And she said, you need to put your summer leaves down. You need to go back inside and sort yourself out over the winter so that you can come up fresh again next spring. And I thought, wow, you're right, lady. I need to put all my summer leaves down and let them compost away, let them become something else. All my old stuff, what I call with the clients, it's all the stuff that's past, just past its sell-by date that's in your life in the composter. That's what she's doing. And I just thought, oh, that really feels good. And it's a Monday morning. It's the beginning of the week. What a way to start your yeah. week. So that's a little bit of how it feels. I love it. You know, um, there, so the old British ways, I mean, you, you have been living with this philosophy, this way of thinking for many, many years. Uh, well, in, in fact, your whole life, yeah. a lot of people who are on spiritual journeys um, or maybe who haven't even started a spiritual journey may find a little bit of what we're talking about today hard to connect with. So I'm going to try my best to unpack a little bit of what your wisdom can bring to uh, our listeners. But I love the old British ways. I love even just the whole fact of what you just talked about there, where you know, nature lives its seasons. Why aren't we living our seasons? And we, we could be, you know, I know that a lot of people do use that term. Uh, what season are you in? It's your, it's this season, that season. And, and I, I, I like that. And, and I think you just put a really nice uh, reference to that, right? As nature, uh, you know, lives its seasons, we should be also living our seasons as well. 
So I want to talk about three areas today. You talk all your everything, all of your work, all of your beliefs are really about creating this connection. Yes. So I want to talk about three areas of connection and, and get get some of your insights on there. I know for sure we're going to have to bring you back because uh, I think this is just kind of like a 101, if, if I can. Um, <laughs> well, that so would be lovely. I'd love a it. A 101 yes. podcast. Yeah, exactly. So the three things I wanted to talk about is is obviously nature, right? And and mm-hmm. referencing your book, because one thing we didn't say is that you are an author of several books. Uh, one in particular that I've had an opportunity to, I, w- I won't say that I've delved into it really deep uh, because it does take time and we've just only met a couple of weeks ago. I have gone through it um, and it's um, the following the deer trods. And I want you to, and it's, it's sort of drawing on the shaman pathways. I want you to explain a lot about that. And then I want to get into um, using our inner compass to help guide us in our, our life, in our, in our personal and our professional lives. And then I want to get into dreaming. And your way of thinking is all of those are super connected. And I love that. And what we're going to try to do is break it down a little bit. And then hopefully at the end, uh, it'll give enough food for thought that people can start to can make that connection together themselves. So let's start first with following the deer trods, your book, um, some of the key messages in there and why sort of nature, why is it important to connect with nature? The main reason is that we are part of nature and we can't live separate from something that we are integrally a part of and physically we're part of the same thing the skin on my fingers um, has grown out of me eating cabbages or roast chicken and things like that um so the cell because cells change about every six or seven weeks in your skin so you're continuously recycling and the old phrase you are what you eat in the physical sense is very true So we're connecting. You know, part of me was part of a plant. Part of me was um, part of some fruit or something like that. So we're physically connected. And what's coming out very much more now, and we've got to thank climate change for that, is that, for instance, we can't do without bees. If we do without bees, we won't have any fruit we won't have any grain, we won't have any vegetables because they need the bees to pollinate them in order to grow. And they also need lots of flies to do that as well. And we are so part of the natural world. But unfortunately now, and this is relatively recent in human history, I mean, we most, so many of us live in cities or towns, or at least small villages. Uh, I don't. I'm one of the few people who actually don't. I I don't have any human neighbours for the best part of a mile any, in any direction. I am surrounded by fields and woods and forests and nature. But most people are not. And I, I do retreats for clients and I do teaching and have people here to stay and they get really worried because you can go out in places here very easily in about two or three miles away and you can go into this valley for instance and there is no sound no human sound no traffic no airplanes no engines there's birds and there's water and wind and all sort of thing and people who haven't done it before they go like this and they're yeah. like, what's going on? What's around me? Now that's yeah. disconnect. And if you disconnect from something, you fear it. If you fear it, you might well harm it because you're frightened. We all do things when we're frightened, <gasps> you know, and um, <laughs> you can really sort of, I'm very good at this. <laughs> um, you really can sort of like hurt something. Um, a lot of people are sort of scared of wasps, for instance, like, oh, boom, 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 like this. Um, 
you're actually a waste of time because the wasp can see you coming in. At wasp sight, you're going hmm, like this. So they get out of the way. And if you annoy them too much, they say, blow that, I'm going to sting her. <laughs> so you you need to interact. You need to learn what it is. We worry about water. We worry about fire. And uh, been America's been one of the places that's had really bad fires, along with Australia. There's been bad fires in Europe um, this last year. And we worry about this, and we worry about how low the rivers are getting, how we don't have water. And most people don't understand why we don't have these things, why they're in short supply. You get connected, and you start working, you start understanding what the tree is doing, that the tree is actually giving out oxygen. We need oxygen to breathe. You can last a few days without water. You can last a few minutes, if you're very lucky, without oxygen. More likely a few seconds. So we need this in order to live. When you connect to something, then you care about it. You know, you've got your family, Lynette, for instance, and I've got my family, and you love them. Sometimes you probably hate them, but never mind. Um, you love them. Basically, Another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course we don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you do, you care. And so when you connect with something, when you know it, then you care about it. And then you make sure that you're careful with what you do so that you don't do it particular harm. So that's really important. Now, the old ways mm -hmm. of any country, of you know, the old native ways of North and South America, of Europe, of Asia, of Australia, and of here, they all connect to nature. They all work with nature. They all watch trees doing the leaf thing. Um, they watch water. They watch how the snow melts and increases the water and how the sun evaporates some of the water so you've got less water in the summer and more water in the winter. They watch all these things and they see them happen. They watch the stars. They watch the weather. And they can turn the weather from the clouds. They don't need the app on their phone. And so you need to get back into that. When you are, then you feel much more complete. You're not frightened. Um, you'll go out. I mean, a lot of people, when they first come here, they get frightened. So I said, go on, walk down the lane in the moonlight. It's lovely. Oh, 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 oh. Look, you might get growled at by a badger or hooted at by an owl, but that's the worst that's going to happen to you, and it's probably friendly. But then they said, go and try it. They, oh, actually, that was nice. And you go from here to here. Mm -hmm. And they really yeah. say, oh, oh, I am part of this. It was good. I liked it. Mm -hmm. Once you start that, then you get your fire back, you get your soul back, you get your spirit back. You're full of fun. Probably a bit badass. And yeah. you're okay. When you're frightened of everything, you're frightened of everything. And it's all like this. Mm -hmm. When you're not frightened, mm -hmm. it's like this. So connecting with the things that maybe scare you and connecting with the things that help to keep you alive really helps you learn about your connection with everything else. Mm -hmm. Have I made any sense? Or did, was that really rubbish? No. <laughs> That was great. Um, and it, when you were uh, telling that story about, you know, being scared of nature or just, you know, being a lot more open to any kind of connection, um, it reminded me of um, a moment when uh, during COVID, I like moved out of my condo and moved into this different place. And it was so different because I had been living in this like tower of 80 stories high. It was, I think it was on the 59th floor. So literally I was just kind of in the middle of the clouds most mornings. Um, and when I moved, I moved to where, to this townhouse where in the back it was a ravine and the river ran through and this big oak tree about 
you know, I would say 10 feet, 20 feet away. Um, and I, I, it was at the end of May when I had moved in there. So it was spring. So imagine spring in the forest, as you sort of describe it in, in nature like that. And even though I was in the middle of the city, I was in this really interesting spot. It was my own little personal forest. It was kind of crazy. And I remember thinking, I've never really connected to nature. And you and I talked about this because in my mind, nature was always about the forest and the trees. And I always thought myself more of an ocean girl. (laughs) I, I think now about that and how naive I was. But having said that, this was the first time that I really, I, I took my shoes off and I walked on this mossy sort of type of grass. And I just walked and I just kind of let it come to me. And, and I thought, okay, I'm going to really start a connection with nature. Um, Mm. and, and how do I do that? And, and I'm a big, I, you know, I practice mindfulness meditation a lot. So I, I did spend quite a bit of time laying on the ground and just watching the trees yeah. and the leaves and how the leaves, you know, were talking for sure. Yes. And it reminded me of stories of friends who had been on uh, shaman type experiences, indigenous type experiences where they were hugging trees. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I just, I, I, I had this opportunity to be in this place for four or five months and the most the best part of that whole time was because of spring, the animals were like really working hard. So I had a mother raccoon in this oak tree, 10 feet away, 20 feet away. And, you know, in, in, in six weeks, the next thing you know, there were four little heads popping up <laughs> under behind this tree uh, or on this branch. It was, it was amazing. But the, the other thing, the squirrels, the hawks, the blue jays, the cardinals, and this little family of chipmunks that were always like, sometimes I would, you know, I'd be taking phone calls and I'd be outside walking on my, the bare feet on the moss and really sort of again trying this connection. And I remember this little chipmunk, I must have been standing about this far, about 12 inches away from his or her hole. Um, and I remember looking over and I was talking, I'm pretty sure it was my daughter. And I said, Oh my God, I've got this chipmunk full. Their, their little cheeks are full of nuts staring at me, waiting for me to move from this (laughs) spot I was so that, and I, and I literally said to the chipmunk, Oh my God, am I standing in your way? And I moved and that thing, the the chipmunk went right into the hole. Anyway, I, I, I felt Honestly, I, I, I kind of joke about it and I say, oh, I was kind of like Snow White that, that spring because of all of her animals and living in the forest. Yeah. But in all seriousness, I think that moment where mm-hmm. I really, I realized where nature is everything and it connects mm-hmm. you to a place within yourself that allows you the freedom to just mm-hmm. believe in yourself mm-hmm. and to just almost fill yourself with love and yes. self-care. And mm-hmm. it was just such an, a, an amazing time because I, I really, how often do you ever get that opportunity to disconnect like that, connect to something that is so beyond yourself and mm-hmm. also do some planning for yourself for your future. And then that's exactly what ended up happening. And um, I ended up creating a whole bunch of stuff because of that moment. But so, so no, that was not crazy. I, I felt no. like I totally related to everything you said there. Yeah. So, and are you twinking to the chipmunk? And you know, feeling, well, you did it because you felt that he or she was sitting there going, What's that you're going to do it now? Can I get out of my hole? Is it okay? You know, what, what? And and you got all of that coming back to you and you noticed it. Yeah. And that's yeah. what connecting is. And like you said, it connected you back to you. Yeah. The part of you. that uh, One that I use with my clients is we lock bits of ourselves away. And we think, no, 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 no we don't want that. And most people have seen, you know, some of the Harry Potter films and probably the first one. And in that, the first time you meet Harry Potter, the poor little soul has been shut in a cupboard under the stairs. Of course, yeah. That's what we do. 
That's what we do to ourselves, to this wild spirit of ourselves that can connect to chipmunks, that can walk barefoot on mossy ground. And it's like you've got to let the poor little thing out and let it yeah. start to take over. And you did that. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> and and, and actually, in all fairness, um, when I first moved in there, I was talking with my daughter on the phone uh, video and she's like, mom, let me see. I'm like, oh my God, the backyard is amazing. It wasn't even a backyard. There was no fence or anything. It was just like yeah. this space. And, and so I, I showed her and she's like, oh my God, mom, you right now need to take those, your, your shoes off and go walk on that grass. Well and done, I your thought, daughter. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, she, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's a whole other, uh, oh, she's pretty beautiful. magical. So she, she's yeah. pretty intuitive. So, so I listened yeah. to her, but yeah. So, so when I, I want to go back to something that I said, and when you and I had talked about it before, because I thought, well, nature was, was, was always the forest. In my mind, right? It was never the ocean or and even, even though it's yeah. super dumb thinking, but it, it's just, it was the way I was thinking. Don't knock yourself so, down like that. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> so what does, like, what does nature look like? You talked a little bit about that already, but if, if you had to say, you know, in, in a sentence or two, what is, what is nature? What does it look like? It looks like everything around you, what's in your garden, what's in your window box, what's in your kitchen, what's in the vegetable drawer of your freezer, you know, what's in the, the door space on in your fridge, what's in there. That's nature. You know, it might be some cheese or some butter and there'll be some vegetables in the fridge. Um, there might be some other, you know, there'll be other food in there. That's nature. As much as that lovely chipmunk and that fantastic oak tree. When you go to the ocean, I I live in a landlocked county here in, in Britain, which is a little bit sad for me because I love the ocean too. I love the sea. And so I do go and stay with friends who live near the sea. But you go there and you know the sound of the waves coming in. And I mean, what a place to just sit and just be in stillness. And that water goes all the way around the planet. And it all connects up together. So it's a wonderful flowing thing. It's like the, the feeling part of us, you know, the heart part of us, which flows and connects everything. So water is part of it. So we've got the earth which is like the soil and the roots and all those kind of things. And we've got the water, which we can't live without. And then we've got the air. Oh, we can't live without that. We just went round that one. You need air to breathe. And that is full of creatures who live in it, who fly in it. I mean, I don't. do you have swifts in America? You may do. I can't remember. But we have this bird called a swift. And it... It looks a bit, it's curved like this, like a scimitar. And the only time they come to land, and they don't land on the ground, is when they nest. They sleep on the wing. They travel on the wing. They live on the wing. And the only time they come to land and sit still on something is when they've got a nest full of eggs or babies. As a bird that lives in the air continuously? I mean, that's mm -hmm. magic. Mm -hmm. And then you've got all the other birds who do, and they sing, and without the air, they couldn't sing. And then we've got the sunshine, the fire. And mm -hmm. if there wasn't a sun, it would be damn cold here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there wouldn't be any life in If at all. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> exactly. So we, nature is earth, water, air, and fire. Mm -hmm. And it comes elements. in everything. You know, the mm -hmm. fire in your, you know, your, your log burner, if you've got one, or your open fire. Um, the fire that's actually firing up your um, oil-fired stove or kitchen, that's fire that does it. There's the mm -hmm. sun, which is fire. And... yeah. The inner, did you know that your gut's actually a form of fire and that's how you di digest your food? Mm -hmm. Is it 
as a sort of chemical process inside. Mm-hmm. So everything is nature. Everything. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a fly sitting up there. That's nature too. I just hope he doesn't yeah. come thing down here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be on the podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, he's so, obviously wanted to. Yeah. So we so the whole nature perfect right nature is everything around us it's the four elements um and and when we connect with it it really does become something quite magical um and i can attest to that for sure yes, and i can. think what it a- allowed me to do was to get super quiet and with and and i talk a lot about this like with quietness comes your answers and I kind of want to move into, you know, drawing on our tuition and using our inner compass now to help guide our direction. But I think that, you know, creating this connection with nature and just with your surroundings allows you that opportunity to bring more awareness uh, to what you're absolutely doing. And so for you, I know you did a whole podcast on your inner compass um, and I, I want I want to talk a little bit about that because first of all, what is our inner compass really like? What does where does that come from within? It comes from your spirit, and that is always connected to the world around you. Um, like a magnetic compass is always connected to the earth around it. That's how it works. But we're not, we don't have a good education system for things like that anymore. You're not supposed, you know, intuition is woo-woo. And instincts, well, they're just for animals, aren't they? And yet they're absolutely vital. Uh, I'm also a psychotherapist. I was trained in the transpersonal and also quite a lot of Jung work. I love Jung, Carl Jung. And one of his premises is what he calls the four functions. And we just did earth, water, air, and fire. And so we've got um, body, intuition. uh, Sorry. Scrap that bit. We've got instinct, which is your guts. Okay. We've got your feelings, your heart, your emotions. We've got thinking. Now, that's the one everybody's supposed to use. Got to think of everything. And there's intuition, yeah. which is this wafty thing that nobody really knows anything about. But Jung works with them. And when you are trained in that, you help other people to work with them too. So that instead of just using one of our four functions, head, we can use our guts our feelings, and our intuition as well. And everybody has these things. And the simple one is usually, you know, you've walked into a room or you're just about to walk into a room and something in your stomach goes, don't go in there. And um, and we've all had these. And, you, and your head goes, oh, it's fine. It's yeah. the good champagne. It's going to be fine. You're going to meet so-and-so. And you go in there and however long you've been in there and you realize that gut was absolutely right. You should not be in there. Everything's going wrong and definitely bad all around you. But you didn't take any notice of it. And then you really feel empathic with somebody. You, you Like when you were working with a chipmunk and like when your daughter said to you, take your shoes off, mum, take your shoes off. And that's that feeling, that love, that knowing that you have. Oh, well, you know, that's just wishy-washy stuff. Let's get down to proper, proper realistic things. And there's your head. Well, I'm not knocking heads. They're great. I mean, I can't drive a car without my head. I can't do my taxes without my head. Um, I can probably just about manage to open the computer without my head. But we can't do things without our heads. We need them. Um, and then there's the intuition, which is all the stuff that you were talking about just now. And this is when you know. And you absolutely know. You can't explain to anybody why you know, and you don't have any logic past it, but you know it. And your inner compass is a combination of the gut, which is connected to the earth and knows very well, and the intuition, which in our old ways we would say would be connected to the sun, to the sky, to the heavens, and knows 
all the outer things. So you're connected to all the inner things through your gut and all the outer things through your intuition. And that gives you this pointer, which is going to go around and round and round. And when it goes, you know, as it does, like when you've got, you know, you're out walking, you've got a compass, so you're using that. And right, right, that's north, so I need to go that way. So you can find your way. How do you know when it's it's that? It's right, and it's not, you know, you're making it up. Practice. There's a lovely, uh, my, my husband is couple of weird things he's an ex-particle physicist and he's also a very good musician and um now i'm not going to remember it's one of the super pianists of the last century and he lived in america for he wasn't i think he was german or austrian i think but he lived in america for a while and the story goes that he was walking um down the street and this woman comes up to him and says hey mister how'd you get to carnegie hall and he says practice lady practice <laughs> and I think I it's lovely it. I love it. because it's like you were saying, you know, about getting stillness. The more you do it, you more you know what your feelings are when it's right, and what your feelings are when it's just I really want this to happen, yeah. um, but I know it's not going you to. Know, but I really want it to happen. <laughs> you and described. Uh, okay. I, I love how you, I've never heard that way before, where it's a combination of your gut and mm-hmm. your, I guess, your environment, I guess. Is that how you describe the intuition? No, I would say it's much bigger than that. Well, I mean, it is your environment in that we're all in the universe. Um, <laughs> that's part of our yeah. environment. But it's it's much bigger than, it. it will come to you through the trees, through the clouds, through the birds. Yes, it will come to you through all mm. of that. But you're connected again. You have this connection. It's not just you here, them out there. You're connected to this beyond yourself. And and I I, I was I was thinking like how can I apply that to what you were just saying to situations in my life? And I think, you know what, she's right. Like it there is this compass if you will, which is that intuition part, and then the gut feeling of, mm. Mm, is that right or not? Mm. And I, I, I have a situation in my life right now that that's happening, and both my compass and my gut are working in this direction that I ended up making this decision, but I never thought of it that way, and I really like what you just described there. So when do we know, and you, you, were, you started to touch on this a little bit, when do we know our inner compass is right? And when it may be our ego trying to sabotage something. And by ego, it could be anything. It could be, well, you know, you're not really deserving of that. Or mm, that's kind of risky, Lynette. I don't know if I want to go there. So or I really where, do want to go there because it's risky. <laughs> or, or yeah, because that's the badass in you. Or the, I, don't want, <laughs> I don't want to have that risk yeah. of, of, oh, like I know even for women, um, well, I, for a lot of people, but especially women in their 50s and, and older, who that is my my target audience, I know that we have, have lost a lot of confidence. Um, and so what we may feel our inner compass is telling us, and it's right, it could be that lack of confidence or oh, it's too late, I'm, you know, it's too old, I'm too old, it's too late to start over, or whatever. It's like, how do you know that it's not that gremlin in your mind trying to sabotage it? And then also, where you're asking other people for their opinion, oh, that is the wrong thing to do. That is your problem. Um, We ask far too much for other people's opinion and there is a strong need for approval and an authority i can do that because there's just been a research paper on the tv that says i can eat that and then next week there's one that says you can't eat that so um (laughs) and we we listen to these damn things and we listen to other people 
again, I have it with my students, I have it with my clients. And Oh, Ellen, um, you know, I'm not sure whether I should do this or that. And, you know, I'll be in a session with them and they say, and they're wanting me to say, do that. And of course, I won't. I will not say that. So I say, come on then, shut your eyes, back in your gut. And they do. And I mean, you, you, you do the meditation practices, you know this. You just sink back in there and one of them just goes, boom, it's that. And they'll come out and I'll sort of say, it's so-and-so. I said, well, you didn't need me then, did you? Mm-hmm. And that is the big bit because that's the practice. They try it. They dare to do it because I'm sitting there holding the space for them. I'm being, you know, I'm being the supportive cauldron, um, looking after them there. So they dare to trust that gut. Mm-hmm. And that is what you need is to trust your gut and take the risk because it's always going to be a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, it just gets better because you get more used to it and you get better yeah. at knowing when you're doing it. And say, that's where I'm going. Yeah. No, and that's great. that's what you do. And you, it doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, yeah, okay, I'm a witch or whatever, but, you know, I don't have a magic wand. I can't go like this. You know, fairy dust <laughs> all over you and it, it'll work. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. <laughs> exactly. So, so let's, so, so we've, we've talked about connecting with nature, getting quiet, going within, mm-hmm. um, and then taking that, that those learnings and that ability to get quiet and going within and using your inner compass, which is a combination of both your, uh, your gut and your sort of environment that, you know, the way that you're thinking or not thinking, um, your intuition, let's give it its name. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your intuition. So now how, how, so one other thing that you do, you, you, you do a lot of work around our dreams and, and why we dream. And so I, I just, I, I think it's just a really nice segue to go into, okay, well, so I'm getting quiet, I'm getting connected with nature, I'm starting to really trust my intuition, yes. that it will be the right compass that will tell me that it's going to go in the right direction. But then we get in our, into our dreams. And so, you know, the, the, over the past couple of months, I've had some very crazy dreams where... Uh, I literally had a shaman show up in my dream. I I have n- I I do not know where this person was. I I, I don't know who he was. Uh, he looked like an elder, um, and he just had a whole monologue about a particular thing that I was thinking about. This whole inner compass thing, and it really became, I think, my subconscious mind uh, talking to me, and and so. I guess my first question is, why do we dream? Very simple medical reason is you'd have epilepsy if you didn't. <laughs> Did you know that? It's Tell true. me more. No, no. <laughs> no, I, no I, I, don't, I don't want to get into that deeply. You can look, and look it up <laughs> on Google. Um, we need to dream. We need, I mean, they don't know all the whys about it because we know very little about our our bodies and science and everything else, really. But your body won't function properly um, if you don't dream. You need to go elsewhere. It's a little bit like, you know, you you go into stillness, you go into silence, and you've got your back against an oak tree and... or you're lying down and you're watching the leaves doing the fantastic patterns and dancing that they do. You need to go right out. And this is what sleep and dreaming does. And that's that's, uh, the physical stuff. But our spirit, this is part of connection again. This is, you know, you sort of said it's our environment. And I said, well, you know, the whole universe is our environment. This is your connection to the space that we live in, the solar system, the Milky Way galaxy, and the whole universe all around us. Now, most people don't want to go that far, and I don't blame them because it's, it's huge. 
and um, it, it can be very scary. But you were at least going out into nature in a different way, into the environment. You're going to the spirit side of nature. And yes, there is one. And you can only explain things, some of the things that they find in science, if you can sort of say, well, there's something that we don't know. And this is true. So you're going out into this place. Now, dreams are not just populated by your psyche. Um, again, Jung was one of the experts on dreams, and yeah. he still is. And there is other, there are things other than you in your dreams. Now, with your shaman dream, which is fine, sounds good, um, but one of the things that when I'm teaching people to work with their dreams, and I know you want to go there in a minute, one of the first <laughs> things you need to do is exactly what you would do if you met a, a human person. Like I said before in our pre-chat, pre you know, if you met me in the street and you'd never met me before and I started telling you all this stuff, what would you say to me? And you said, I'd say, should we go for a coffee? Uh, yes. Now, no, okay, I just want to stop you there for a second because not a lot of people would do that. They would, if you walked up to me, and and very, very true, you, you, you asked me, what would I do if I didn't know you and you walked up to me and said, you know, I have some information for you. I, you're thinking about this one thing and I don't think you should do it. And here are a few reasons why. I would say definitely, will, would you like to go for a coffee? A lot of people would say, uh, crazy lady, get out of my way. <laughs> yeah. But this is what they do in their dreams. Exactly. Okay, right. And that's what you do. You, you dismiss it. Crazy lady. She's probably got cats. She has. Um, you know, she's obviously <laughs> crazy cat lady. And so they dismiss. The other thing that people do when they're feeling a bit more confident is like, oh, yeah, who are you? And when we first meet someone, I mean, you're networking, you're at a party, you're, you know, at your kid's school or whatever. Oh, who are you? Very few people, unless they've been trained nowadays, will say to the thing, the person, like your shaman, who came up to them in the dream, whoa, hang on a minute, who are you? And it's like you're taking, because this is a figure and they're giving you fantastic advice, you give away your power, you give away your authority to them, and everybody does it. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people do it. Oh, it must be because the dream said this. Did you question it? Did you say... Um, one of the ways I teach them is sort of say, well, you know, are they telling you to go down the shop for a tin of striped paint? Would I, what would you do if I say, go down the shop, Lynette, for a tin of striped paint? You say, <laughs> really? Um, I would be, <laughs> well, I would be actually looking for the deeper message there, really. Like, that's how I think, though. But a lot of people would be thinking, okay, yeah, Ellen, nice meeting you. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, go somewhere in between that. So you go, really? Are you having me on? Mm -hmm. Are you having a laugh? Yeah, right. And um, since I probably would be, I would say, yeah, actually. And then you say, well, look, who are you? And I say, well, I'm Ellen, and um, I really feel I want to talk to you. And you go, oh, yeah, why is that? And so you start this dialogue as you would with a real person. And this is, you know, what Jung teaches. This is what all of us teach in this way. This is what you were taught in the old witch ways because we were taught how to dream. Somebody's going to come up to you in your dream and they're going to sort of say, well, let, let's go and play in this marsh. And you go, how deep is it? Really? Is this a good idea? Do we want yeah. to do this? What's the point? And you treat yeah. it just as you would in everyday life. Now, I would love if you would... That, so I'm sure this guy's going to come back now we've been talking about him. If next time you yeah. see him, you say, oh, whoa, 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 let's just sit down for a minute, have a coffee. And now you tell me who are you? And mm -hmm. the next question after that is, 
um, what have you got for me? What's this, you know, have you got mm-hmm. gifts for me? Have you got some good for me? And you start questioning, you start asking. Again, this is from the old witch stuff again. You get loads of respect from all the fair folk, all the whatever you want to call them, if you start questioning. Because they think, oh, this one's clued up. This one's not all wah-wah and ooh <laughs> yeah. and, and pink and beautiful. It's not a pushover. Very wings, you know. Um, this one's got brain. And, okay, yeah. we'll talk to this one. So, so you what you're saying, you right, so what you're saying is in your dreams, find a way to start questioning what's happening in the dream. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it, 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 I, so our pre-call was a few weeks ago. And so I've had an opportunity to d- delve deeper into your areas of expertise. And I never really thought about dreams a lot. And so I've spent a ton of time listening to some podcasts, you know, starting dream journals or is, is one uh, opportunity yeah. to start really understanding your dreams. But to be able to set, and you said this, set the intention before you go to bed. And, and, and you know, I, I literally have been talking to my angel since I was five years old. I, I can't mm-hmm. even tell you where I learned that. It was just something that I did. And as I've gotten older, I've realized I wish I would have carried that and learned and and got delved deeper into that. I've always just continued to talk to my angels. And so every night is an angel conversation. And, but now I'm setting much more intention since Mm -hmm. speaking with you around, if I do dream today, tonight, let me be inquisitive. Let me be more curious. Let me Mm -hmm. ask some questions because I almost feel in a lot of the cases of these dreams I've had, I can't speak, or if I can speak, I can't hear. And I did have a dream um, that was related to this shaman um, and, yeah. and, and more around just the problem I'm trying to solve. And it was this person, and I remember him in my dream, and we were having a dialogue, but I don't, I couldn't hear what we were talking about. And, but I, I there was a significance, I think, in the reason why he was in my dream. But so I think that's just I now that I'm setting much more intention before I go to bed, um, I'm trying to like, like, because you say you can ask questions yes. in your dream. But yeah, how like, whew, it's, 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 I, I, yeah, I'm just learning, you know, and it's, it's, I'm challenging myself to, to go to that next level in that area. So and that's that's absolutely brilliant. And yes, and I think like you're talking to your angels, I think it's there in all people. It's just that it gets squashed. Maybe it was there when you were little and then it was like squashed out of you. You know, you're too old for that now. Stop making things up, all this kind of stuff that we can get from all around. But yes, you can learn. It, I mean, even like being brought up in it, um, there were lots of other people in the village who were also um, magical people who had always followed the old ways. And so we kids were passed around them. I'll go down and talk to Granny Smith. She'll tell you about so-and-so, you know. And I'll go and play with her because she'll take me. And so the uh, the older elders um, would tell you. And I'd go out with Uncle Jack um, in the woods. He, he looked after woods. And um, so he would tell me about trees and he would tell me about how they talk to each other. And um, I would say, oh, I had this dream about this oak tree. Oh, tell me about it then. And well, did you ask the oak tree about so-and-so? Oh, no, I forgot. And um, so you were with someone who is helping you. Get someone to help you, Lynette, who knows, who mm. knows how to do this. And mm. it won't take very long before you'll have it. But mm-hmm. it's just like you don't necessarily know what to think of or how to do. I was in this situation. I felt I couldn't hear. So try this, try that, try the other thing. And you will somebody you, the person you're with will be able to offer you a way which goes, oh, yeah, I feel I can do that. There's your compass mm-hmm. again. You know, mm-hmm. when something goes, Bing, you know, that's my way. 
Yeah. And so it's good to have someone with you. It isn't so easy to learn it from a book. And it's certainly not so easy just to try and, in a sense, almost muddle it through on your own. So get some help with somebody. You can also, you yeah. can re-enter a dream while you're awake, which you'll find in, in Follow the Deer Trogs. And, yeah. um, and there are, there is, you can read that and have a go with that. But again, you may need somebody to help you mm-hmm. and actually take you through it. And because once you've done it, then it's what we call in your bones. So mm. it's not you're not thinking about how to do it. You've got it. Your body's got it. Your spirit's got it. Your guts have got it. Your intuition's got it. Making mm. sense? Absolutely. And and it just kind of makes me think like our whole conversation, our, the past hour that we've been chatting. You know, my I guess my final question for you is: How do we take nature, our inner compass, and our dreams? And bring that all together and apply it to the different aspects of our life. Keep remembering that you're not alone. The trees are with you. The grass is with you. The chipmunk is with you. Mm-hmm. And you can go back even, even though you're not in the same place anymore and that chipmunk isn't around. But that chipmunk can remember you. <clears throat> um, Have you heard of a thing called quantum entanglement? No. No, okay. Um, It's high super physics. I've had it with the cornflakes because of husband for the past odd odd knows how long. Um, But it's a thing which they're now using in artificial intelligence in computers and in um, a lot of cyber work and things like that, where the state of this thing changes at exactly, perfectly the same moment as this thing. So they both do that, they both do that. And they've proved this scientifically. Now, that's like telepathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And yeah. You, you're thinking it and the other person's thinking it, and boom, it's happening. Mm-hmm. So that's where you need to go, and we all can go there, but... Did you ever ride a bicycle? Yes, yeah. Yeah. And when you first started, you kept falling off, didn't you? Of course. <laughs> yeah. A few scars to and show from that, yeah. Then all of a sudden, you got what balance was about. And you stayed up for at least five yards down the road. And then you fell off again. Um, but it was the next step, the next step, the next step. And eventually, you could ride miles on the bike, and it was fine. Probably stand on the pedal, stand on the seat, do handstands, whatever you do. Um, but it's like that. And you're going to get that by practicing it. And really get someone to say, can I have a couple of sessions and take me through this? You know, mm-hmm. let's do it. Oh, right, I've got it now. Yeah. So you're going to use that once you've learned it. So you're going to go to bed, you've got, you know, should I take this job or shouldn't I? I mean, I've just had a client who's had this problem. Yeah. And take it to bed. Set your intention. Like, I want to know. So give me some kind of, you know, Steven Spielberg in the sky or whatever. Give me some kind of sign that is really going to get through to my sick brain that I should go this way or I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And maybe the same night. It might take you two or three nights you'll get your answer. You know, should I borrow this money to expand the business or not? Um, Mm. Should I move offices? Should I do all work from home? Is this person the the right person to come and join the team? And you can use all of this for that. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even need to take it to bed. You can just, like, go out to your oak tree at the back, which you had, and so just put your hand on an oak tree. Just show me. Mm-hmm. And it sounds really woo-woo, but I know loads of people who do it. I have yeah. taught stockbrokers and civil servants and military people, and they all do it. Absolutely. So you use it like that. This is, I love it. You're not alone. There's all this gang no. around you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
Ellen, that was amazing. I loved every moment of this conversation. I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. Um, and I definitely want to bring you back uh, because I would definitely want to get a little bit deeper in our next conversation. Um, but in the meantime, thank you for joining me. Um, and I will put all of your uh, contact information in the show notes. And uh, again, thank you so much. And thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you. I really enjoy it, Lynette. Awesome. Thank you.